Christ has given us our orders of the day. Listen carefully to his words. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command. This is my command. to praise the Lord. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound.
Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had defied and blasphemed the God of heaven. After seven years as a beast of the field, he acknowledged the power of God. He had learned at last the lesson all rulers need to learn, that true greatness consists of true goodness. I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to humble. This public proclamation, in which Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged the mercy and goodness and authority of God, was the last act of his life recorded in sacred history. Following Nebuchadnezzar's death, evil Merodach, his son, ruled Babylon. He was a wicked ruler and lasted only two years. He was followed by Neraglisser, who was king for only four years. Then Nabonidus wore the crown of Babylon, but tiring of the strenuous task of ruling a great nation, he turned the kingdom over to Belshazzar, his son and grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Under the foolish and weak guidance of these four kings, Babylon lost its high position among the nations of the world. Of the four kings, Belshazzar was the worst, living only for self-glorification and pleasure, passing his time in mirth and reverie. It was not long before reverses came. Ah, is everyone having a good time? <laughs> of course we are. We always do when the kingy gives a feast. <laughs> long live Belshazzar, Shazar, king of Babylon. Babylon. <laughs> ah, General, you look unhappy, worried. Here, drink some old wine. Be gay. I cannot help but worry, Your Majesty. The combined armies of the Medes and Persians, under command of Cyrus, are marching against Babylon. They are almost here. Oh, listen, General. Uh, are the walls of Babylon able to keep out any army? They are massive and tall, Your Majesty. The gates and the walls? They are impregnable, Your Majesty. How about, how about food and water, General? Babylon is well stocked, Your Majesty. We could stand a siege of uh, several years. Years duration. Babylon is not only a city, but a fortress as well. Oh, my king is right. Uh, <laughs> it is impossible for any army, regardless of how great, to take Babylon. And what are you worrying about, General? <laughs> hey, more wine for the general! Get drunk, General. Forget your troubles. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the meat are camped right outside the city, Your Majesty. Don't worry, General. We're safe inside these walls. I told you that. Yes, Your Majesty. <laughs> the enemy is still camped out there, Your Majesty. Now, what are they doing? Nothing, Your Majesty. Well, that's what worries me. And they're camped behind that hill, just this side of the river. As far as we can tell, they're, they're just sitting there, uh, waiting. I'll let them wait. General, this party is too dull. What do you mean? There's a bunch of old fogey soldiers. Oh, I'm going to no. I'm gonna proclaim a royal feast. Uh, the biggest of all time. Go out and call the statesmen, the princes, the lords and ladies. Ooh, especially the ladies. Ha, <laughs> ha. Let's have wine, women's song. Hello! 
Long live Belshazzar, king of Babylon. You're the keeper of my treasure house. I am your majesty. Somewhere in the treasure house are stored gold and silver vessels brought here from the temple in Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. Do you know where they are? Yes, your majesty. Get them. Bring them to me immediately. Ah. Hey, Scribe, scribe, scribe. I want to make a speech. I'll see if I can quiet them down, Your Majesty. Quiet! Quiet, please! His Majesty has something important to say. Now, please, be quiet. You hear me? Quiet! <laughs> the king is going to make a speech. <laughs> I adore his speeches. I love them. Uh-huh. He says such wise and smart things. How about more wine, king? Sure, help yourself! <laughs> You're wise and powerful. Speech. Now be quiet and hear his message. Quiet, quiet, hold! Quiet. I see these gold and silver cups and vessels. They are from the Israelite temple in Jerusalem. They are supposed to be so sacred that they cannot be touched by unblessed hands. I say they are not sacred. I am above all gods, including the God of Israel. servants shall pass out these so-called sacred cups and goblets to my princes and great men, my wives and concubines. From them we shall drink wine and praise the God of gold and silver and brass and iron and wood and stone. Down with the God of Israel! hand writing on the wall the letters gleam like fire scribe scribe general the words on the wall the hand who's writing them scribe send those cups of gold and silver but no no it's too late i'm doomed your your, your majesty the the hand is the hand is gone but the writing it's still there Can you read the writing, scribe? No, no, your majesty. But but your wise men and astrologers cannot... They read the writing. Yes, yes, come forth. Wise men and astrologers and read to me the writing upon the wall. Uh, We we have tried, your majesty, and are unable to read the words. They are written in a very strange tongue. I will give great riches and honor to anyone who can read the words. I am sorry, your majesty, but we we simply cannot understand the words. Bow the knee. Her majesty, the queen mother, enters. Hail Hail to the queen. Long live the king. This is no place for you, mother. It is no place for anyone. Oh, king, there's a man in this kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. His name is Daniel. 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 Let Daniel be called, and he will read the words and give the king their interpretation. Uh, Scribe, send for this man at once and fetch him hither. (laughs) 
You are Daniel? I am, Your Majesty. I've been told that you can read the writing up there on the wall and give an interpretation. If this be true, I shall clothe thee with scarlet and place a chain of gold about thy neck, and thou shalt be third ruler of the kingdom. Keep your gifts, O king, and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing and make known to the king the interpretation. O king, thou art a king of hardened pride. Thou hast not humbled thyself, but have exalted thyself above the God of heaven and desecrated the gold and silver vessels from God's holy temple in Jerusalem. The part of the hand thou sawest was from God, and the writing is his. And this is the writing. Mene, mene, tekel, you farsen. This, O king, is the interpretation. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balance and art found wanting. (laughs) You farsen, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. still in the festive hall, surrounded by those whose doom he had sealed, the king is approached by a messenger. O king, the armies of the Medes and Persians have entered into Babylon and are taking the city. Entered Babylon? Impossible! O king, they turned the river Euphrates out of its channel and entered the city under the walls. Even now the army stands under this palace where the river used to flow. Soldiers are all over the city. Babylon is fine! night was Belshazzar, king of Babylon, slain, and Darius of the Medes and Persians took the throne. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. meeting to begin. Welcome to the Kids Bible Club. Hey, Pastor Perez, can I ask you a question? Sure, Hannah. What's on your mind? Boys. Oh, stop it. I don't mean like that. Does the Bible say anything about why boys are so silly, loud, and mean? Hey, I'm not mean. What makes you think I'm talking about you, Sam? Oh, well, I thought you were going to say something about what happened today at school when someone put a rubber snake in your notebook. How'd you know about that? Um, people talk. You see, Pastor Perez, boys are always doing dumb things that make me mad. I opened my notebook and that snake scared me half to death. Does the Bible say anything about that? There is a text in Luke chapter 6 that says we should love our enemies. Hey, I'm no enemy. And there's one in 2 Corinthians where God says, if you forgive anyone, 
I also forgive him. It was just a little rubber snake. So I'm supposed to forgive and love silly boys who put snakes in my notebook? As Christ forgives and loves us, yes. You're not going to hug me, are you? No, Sam. I'm going to love you, even though you're totally insane. And I'm going to forgive you so that Jesus can forgive you too. But if you ever put another rubber snake in my notebook, I am going to, to, to what? Hug you. Ah! Alrighty then. I think we can move on with our meeting. Jesus wants to be our friend. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Chapter 5, An Important Lesson A couple days later, Sammy met his friends at the shoebox. Although he had told Maria, Chris, and Dee about the light in the window the day after he saw it, Willie and Jenny hadn't been filled in on all the events of the past week. So before class began, Sammy told them about being chased by the bully brothers on the way to the library. They've already been in trouble with the principal for picking on kids, Jenny said. Yeah, Willie agreed, but every time they pass me, they say something like, Road hog, just loud enough for me to hear, but not a teacher. Then Sammy excitedly told them about the Underground Railroad and their discovery at the library. We found a book that showed a secret room in a barn. I think Mr. Chambers' house has a second wall just like it. Cool, Willie said, but how can you be sure? There you all are, Mrs. Shue said. It's time to start class. What are you doing out here? Oh, we were just talking about secret rooms, Sammy answered. We didn't think we should talk about that during class. I appreciate that, Mrs. Shue said, smiling. I'm sure God does too. But it's time to come in now. After our lesson is over, and if there's a little time left, you can talk some more about secret rooms. You can even tell me about it. It sounds exciting. After the friends settled down for a class, Mrs. Shue began. How was everyone's week, she asked. Mrs. Shu always started class this way. She liked to know if anyone was having any problems with anything. Is anyone having difficulty with something they'd like to share? Six hands went up. Oh, my goodness, Mrs. Shu said. It must have been a rough week. Sammy, why don't you start? I think we're all having the same problem. There are two new kids at Willie and Jenny's school. Twins. Sixth graders. They pick on everybody. They made fun of us when we were playing ball. They call me names at school, Jenny said. Me too, Willie chimed in. They chased us when we were going to the library, Maria and Dee Dee added. Why don't they like us, Sammy asked. They don't know anything about us, but they made fun of us anyway. Let's talk about this a little, Mrs. Shue said. Have you ever heard the saying, you can't judge a book by its cover? Several heads nodded. Jenny, Mrs. Shue said, can you tell us what it means? I think it means, Jenny began, that when you look at the cover of a book, you can't be sure if the story is good or not if you just look at the picture on the front. That happened to me once, Willie said. I picked a book out of a kid's catalog. It was supposed to be a great adventure story. The picture on the cover showed a ship and a storm, but when I read the book, it had monsters and magic in it. It was so scary, I didn't even finish it. 
An excellent example, Willie, Mrs. Shu said. I have another situation for you now. Suppose it's your birthday and you have a beautifully wrapped present handed to you. Can you tell what the gift is on the inside just by looking at the wrapping? No way, Sammy said. One time I opened up this really cool-looking present. It was underwear for my Uncle Locke. The kids and Mrs. Shu laughed. But another time, my grandparents gave me this plain brown shoe box, Sammy continued. I wondered what dumb present would be inside. Then the box meowed. Whispers, who was just a kitten, was inside. That was the best birthday ever. I think you're all catching on to the idea, Mrs. Shu said. You can't judge what someone or something is like based only on what you see on the outside. Let's see what God says about judging others. Mrs. Shu picked up her Bible and so did the kids. All right, let's see, Mrs. Shu said, thinking out loud. Let's try John seven twenty four. The shoebox kids turned quickly to the New Testament. They all knew the books of the Bible and could find them easily. Sometimes they made a game out of it. Willie's hand shot up first. I've got it, he said. Please read the verse out of your International Children's Bible, Willie, Mrs. Shu said. Stop judging by the way things look. Be fair and judge by what is really right, Willie read. Pretty clear, isn't it, class? Mrs. Shu said. Now let's see how God judges us. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Sammy, why don't you read that one? Start with the second part of the verse. Sammy began, God does not see the same way people see. People look at the outside of a person, but the Lord looks at the heart. So then, Mrs. Shu continued, God is interested in what we're like inside. Therefore, does it matter what people think and say about us if we keep Jesus in our heart? No, the shoebox kids answered, their heads shaking back and forth. But what do we do about those who call people names, like those awful bullies, Jenny asked. It may be hard, but we simply have to let God work it out, Mrs. Shu answered. It is very important to remember that we should not judge others for their behaviors. Romans 2, 1-3 says that if we judge others, we are no different than they are for judging. It seems too hard to ignore those bullies, though, Willie said. Sammy smiled. You know something, he said, right before the bullies tripped over the tree roots and sidewalk, I prayed to God and asked him to help us get away from them, and then they tripped. Chris jumped up and pretended to be a brother tripping over the roots and falling down. Everyone laughed except Mrs. Shu. It's possible, she said, that God did use the tree to slow the brothers down and let you get safely to the library. But, she added, we don't want to make fun of someone else's misfortune. That isn't right either. Mrs. Shu looked down at her watch. Oh dear, I didn't realize so much time had gone by. We have a little time left, Sammy. I'd love to hear more about this secret room business. Sammy quickly filled Mrs. Shue in on the round window at Mr. Chambers' house. He explained his feeling that there was a secret room just like inside the barn that was part of the Underground Railroad. But I have to know for sure, Sammy said. The librarian said that the historical library or an old architectural firm of Smith and... Oh, I forget the other name, but they might have old floor plans to the house or some other information. Do you mean the Smith and Bowers architects, Mrs. Shu asked? Yeah, that's it, Sammy said. I know Tom Smith quite well, Mrs. Shu said. His great-grandfather started the firm over 100 years ago, Mrs. Shu paused. I'll tell you what, she said. Why don't you all meet at my house Monday after school and we'll go over to the firm together and just maybe we'll find the plans to Mr. Chambers's house. And just maybe, Sammy said excitedly, the plans will prove that there is a secret room. The story you have heard today is a chapter of The Shoebox Kids, Book 9, The Secret of the Hidden Room, written by Nancy Speck 
edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children come Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Life Talk Radio at lifetalk.net.